since the early 1980s, hard-hitting bands such as Petra, Striper, White Cross, and Bloodgood would forever change the boundaries of Christian music. The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast brings commentary, analysis, and guest speakers from today's and yesterday's top artists and bands. Now, Podbean.com brings you The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast with your host, Sean Fagan. He's the rock.
Because I love her Oh, don't you know Caught in a trap Scared you, didn't I? Because I love you too much, baby Oh, don't you know to another Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast. My name is Sean Fagan and I am your host. I am so glad you're with me today. It has been quite some time since I've made a post and I apologize for that. I will have a podcast coming up in the next couple weeks. It will be a short one. It's going to be a testimony about myself. I'm doing it for a couple reasons. One, to let you all know Uh, Where I've been, I promised God that I would give him all the glory for where I'm at right now. And so I want to keep that promise. But also, I've been wanting to do this for a while so that the artists have a chance to find out a little bit about me. And that way, when we do the interview, they're not wondering what I'm all about and why I'm doing the podcast. So it's kind of twofold, but I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of next week, I will have my new website up and running, and I will give all the information next week about that. In addition, the interview that I will have next week will be with Michael Sweet of Striper. I got a chance to chat with him for a while this past week, and I am excited about getting that up and on the air. So 
without further ado today, I wanted to go ahead and get on with our uh, guest that we have, and his name is Lou Vuto. And if you're not familiar with Lou Vuto, Lou Vuto worked at Memories Theater in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, for quite a few years. And uh, he is now back in the area, and he agreed to sit down and chat with me about himself. Lou is a uh, an artist that does Elvis uh, shows. Uh, he did the Salute to Elvis at Memories Theater down there, and he did it for many years. Uh, he got to work with the likes of Charlie Hodge, uh, J.D. Sumner and the Stamps. Uh, a lot of the people that Elvis actually got to work with, he was able to work with, and we got a chance to talk a little bit about that. It was very interesting, so I encourage you to stick around and check this out. I think you'll find this interview very interesting. Drop me a line. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and again, like I said, starting next week, we will have a um, full website up and running where you'll be able to submit requests uh, for interviews. You'll also be able to submit photos from concerts, videos, uh, different things that we can add to the um, uh, website that will kind of, I want it to be an all-inclusive, all-in-one place to go for more information about bands. So, uh, I'm hoping to have at least the major chunk of that up and running next week. So, without further ado, let's get into the interview. We'll be right back. The Rock That Makes Me Roll Podcast. It's for the fruit of my soul Yeah Girl, girl, girl You're gonna set me on fire My brain is flaming I don't know which way to go Yeah Can't just leave me high Like a sweet song Must be a hundred and nine Burning, burning, burning And nothing can cool me I just want to turn the smoke But I feel fine Kisses and let me higher Like the sweet song on the choir You light my bones I'm burning a hole where I lay. Yeah. 
this is Lou. Hey Lou, it's Sean with the podcast. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate the uh, invite to come on and talk, and it's good to uh, be part of part of the podcast. I'm doing good. Great. So, as I mentioned, you uh, have done the Memories slash Elvis uh, show for more than 20 years now, I think it's been, uh, total. Tell me a little bit about how you got started with that. Well, I was, um, I became an Elvis fan when I was 10 years old, and actually I even got to see Elvis in concert. Um, I'm originally from New York City, and I saw Elvis in Long Island in 1975. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that was something I'll just never forget. But, um, so, you know, I've been a fan, and um, over the years, I've done it, I've sang wherever I could. I guess back, the earliest I can remember is back in high school, I'd sing at the lunch table and, uh, you know, sing Elvis stuff, and everybody was into hearing you know, hearing me sing, and uh, then we had a talent show at some point in the high school, and these guys who were in my grade come up to me who played instruments and said, hey, we'll play, you know, if you'll sing Elvis, and let's get in, in this contest, and so we did, and we actually won, but, well, I always say we won, but really we tied for first place, there was another guy that uh, did catch scratch fever by... <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, can't remember his name now. He um, anyway. They we kind of we tied with them, so uh, you know that was a fair and square thing. But anyway, that kind of started the bug. Um, we did another show about a month later. We rented the high school auditorium, the same place you know they had the, the talent show in, and but it was just really for fun. And and over the years, I'd done it. I did it for fun as an Elvis fan, and then in 1992, I was in Dayton, Ohio, and a friend asked me to uh, sing at his 50s uh, birthday party. There was a DJ there, comes up to me and says, oh, you know, if you want to get paid, I can get you gigs, you know, doing weddings and this kind of thing, and so I was like, oh, someone's going to pay me to sing like Elvis? You know, sign me up. (laughs) Right. And uh, so I guess, you know, 92 is when I started doing professionally and getting paid. And, you know, I just, I, I had been watching Elvis on video and, of course, saw him live and then listening to records and tapes over the years so that by the time I got involved in really doing that for a living, I just, uh, everything was in memory. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like I had to, oh, let, let me find out how to do this the right way. I kind of knew Elvis, and I knew, as a fan, I knew a lot about him. So, so. you, at at that point, started uh, down in memories then? Oh, no. So, um, what happened, I started uh, doing using track tapes at the time I was tapes. And um, every once in a while, so for a few years I was using background music, and every once in a while somebody come up to me and said, uh, I'm a guitar player, and here's my card, you know, if you ever put a band together, blah, blah, blah. So, um, there, I guess it was about 90, 94, I had a full, ba- like, business cards of, that I could have put a band together, so I thought, okay, let's try that. And the first thing we did was in Xenia, Ohio, and the owner of Memories, who was from Dayton, shows up, and, uh, at the time, Eddie Miles was 
uh, at Memories, but he was getting ready to move on, and so they were looking for somebody. And long story short, um, they wound up going with another guy, Pete Wilcox, who's a, a good friend, actually, and uh, he wasn't at the time, but uh, so, and then it wound up he was going to move on after two years, and they came back to me, and so in 95... November of 95, I started up Memories. Nice. Okay, so I was there, I think, the last year that Eddie was there, the first year you were there, and that's when I, I had actually spoke to you at that time. You told me you were for a date, and which intrigued me even more. <laughs> so right, right. I, I have to say, you know, year after year we went down, we always caught you at the shows, and uh, the last time I was down there was a few years back. I had actually got the chance to take my kids down to see you too, and uh, you were over at the new theater. Uh, I think it's, it was that uh, the Country Night Theater that where they shut down memories for a while and then moved over to the other one? Oh, uh, it was next to Country Tonight, but it's it was called the Showplace Theater. Right, right. Uh, up on the hill there. It it was originally built and originally called Eddie Anders Heart and Soul Cafe. Okay, all right. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I have to say, the... Uh, the bar, the standard that I've set through the years when I go to see artists, man, I've watched you through the years, and you just got better and better and better. And uh, there's no one like you, man. Really, seriously, uh, you you do a really good job. So, well, I think you know, I appreciate that. I think you know, just being a big Elvis fan, I, you know, I always wanted to do something that was tasteful and a you know a complimentary tribute to uh, to Elvis and and you know, good enough memories had the same you know mindset and so we made it good it was a good match so after a few years there at memories you moved down did you open up your own place called reflections i did um i was there i was at memories and I, so it was 95 to 2003 or the end of 03 um i decided to do my own theater and and I was there for two years in Gatlinburg, and uh, a lot of great stuff. We had a great time those two years. Gatlinburg really wasn't a um, a theater town per se, uh, and it was kind of difficult getting people up that way. But I mean, a lot of the fans, of course, followed, and and they were wonderful. You know, they came up and supported us. But then, um, of course, we did our regular nightly shows, and then our special shows we did from time to time one of the things we did up there was we had elvis's uh the female vocalist that sang with elvis the the sweet inspirations uh we did a show with them or two shows up there with them that was kind of neat uh that didn't you know after two years it, it just wasn't happening and uh i met with d the owner of memories at that time and we talked about getting back together, and I actually went back to Memories in 05, end of 05. So you uh, you mentioned that you had worked with uh, the Sweet Inspirations, and uh, I had also am very well aware of the fact that you got you know, the opportunity to work with Charlie Hodge. How was it like working with Charlie? Oh, man, that was more than I could ever imagined. Um, he, of course, at first it was very, very intimidating. You know, I, uh, here I was coming in to do a tribute to Elvis and, and, you know, one of his best friends was working at Memories and I, I felt very, um, 
kind of on the spot. You know, I felt, I, I thought at first he was, you know, he would probably judge me very harshly and, and all this. And But kind of a funny thing happened about three weeks into when I first started at Memories, I was, we used to sit, as you know, in the back after the show and sign pictures and talk talk to people. And someone came up to Charlie, and, and he was sitting like a foot away from me, and said, oh, Charlie, he said, uh, uh, Lou did such a great job. Uh, they said, I bet you, you just, it was just like working with Elvis. Oh, <laughs> Charlie. <wow. laughs> and Charlie looked at him and said, it's nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, at first I was kind of insulted because I thought, well, you know, give me a little credit, <laughs> I, you know, whatever. But what I realized was he, no one could ever replace his friend Elvis. Right. And no matter how much you tried to be, you know, and do what Elvis did and all this other stuff, you would never, to, to someone who was so close to Elvis, you would never measure up. So that really kind of was freeing because I felt like, okay, he's not comparing me to Elvis at all. And he, and really he treated me as my own person. And that really relieved a lot of the pressure. Um, you know, we were simply doing something that paid tribute to his friend, but I don't care who you were. You know, we get we get packages into the theater all the time. Oh, Charlie, watch this guy. He looks just like Elvis. Or, or listen to this CD. He sounds just like... And Charlie would always say, I don't think he looks like Elvis. <laughs> I don't think he sounds like a... And it, there was just, for someone who was so close to Elvis, there was just no way Charlie was going to think that you looked or sounded like Elvis. You know, and again, that was kind of freeing because he treated me as my own person. We were we were playing music, we were singing Elvis's songs, we were paying tribute, but it wasn't a comparison thing. And so, you know, I was able to relax and do, you know, do the best job I, I was able to do. Right. I know the one of the few times I got to talk to to Charlie and I kind of kept in touch, you know, email whatever back and forth with him throughout the years, you know, off and on, but when I actually got to talk to him in person, his face always lit up when he was talking about Elvis. I I know the first time I met him, we had just came from Graceland and cut across and came over to see you and uh, we were talking about where he stayed in there and everything and it was um it, you know, he it was it was an exciting time for him to be able to share those memories with people and uh, somebody I respected a lot, you know, that was, that's cool. So, yeah. Well, and he was one of the few guys, you know, a lot of the guys that work with Elvis, they, you know, any human being has negative things. You could, you know, skeleton or whatever. And he just never went there, you know, with Elvis. He, you know, as far as talking about Elvis, he, I always heard him speak positive things about Elvis. I guess he figured there was enough of the other guys talking bad about Elvis that he, you know. But that was one thing I admired about him, too. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, were there other other uh, people within the Elvis entourage that you got to meet through the years? Yeah, we uh, actually we'd done a couple of shows with J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. Um, that was awesome. Of course, at the time, J.D. was the 
in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the world's lowest bass singer. And <laughs> and I think at the time that they worked with Elvis, they were the number one gospel quartet in the country. But um, that was awesome. Of course, Ed, Ed Enoch, J.D., Ed Hill, and then the uh, tenor was a, a, a new guy, but very talented. Uh, so we got to do a, several shows with them. Uh, Joe Esposito stopped by once or twice and and came to see the show. Steve Bender, the guy who produced and directed the 1968 comeback special, came to the show. Wow. And we met him. Uh, of course, Charlie knew him. Um, Patty Perry, the, the woman who was known as the only female member of the Memphis Mafia, um, I got to know a little bit and became friends with, and she visited us uh, several times. She came in a couple of times and told some stories about, you know, her her friendship with Elvis, and and that was really interesting. Nice. So, ever, yeah. So, ever get a chance to meet uh, Tom Parker? I didn't. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't actually meet him, but um, I was singing one year at the tent at Graceland where. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they used to have a tent across during Elvis week, and, a, and different yeah. Elvis guys would get up and sing. And um, they still I do, noticed, don't they? Well, they might. I'm not sure what they do with the new. Um, oh, that new facility down there. Yeah, all that business. But anyway, he was sitting in a scooter, you know, watching. I mean, he was watching other guys besides me, but but I never did get to meet him. But ah. I, I did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, that's cool. So, did you uh, did you ever enter any of those contests? You know, early, before I got to memories, I early on I went to um, before Graceland was involved. There was a guy who used to do. He was uh, um, oh, what do you call it? A uh, for animals. Why can't I think of the word? Um, <laughs> a veterinarian. A veterinarian. Got gotcha, you. Yeah. He used to. Yeah, he used to take care of Elvis's horses when whenever they needed care, and his name was Doc Franklin, and he had a contest going um, 1990, very early on, and I think I entered 93 and 94 during Elvis week, and um, and that was really awesome. Uh, I made it to the top 20 out of like 120 guys, and of course that was my first couple of years doing it professionally, but... And then after I got the job at Memories, I was always, I loved doing the contest, but I was always working and always busy, so I never got much of a chance. So you, um, I know I saw you up here in Dayton, uh, I think it was at a uh, at the living room, I think, one time, yeah. several years yeah. back. Yeah, I saw you up there, we, we stopped in and saw you. Um, you do a lot of traveling with this, or is it just kind of you know, East Coast side, or... Well, now nowadays, I um, I've kind of toned way down as far as how often I perform. You know, I mean, if you remember, I for twenty, well, almost twenty years, I was doing six nights a week you right. know, during the season. So now I get to do maybe a weekend a month, and uh, and I travel. Um, but I, some of that is going back down to Pigeon Forge, and uh, there's a couple of theaters I I do shows in at times. You know that that hire me to come back down. So, you know, I, but I didn't do much traveling with memories, but that, the thing at the living room was, um, 
was on a Sunday, if I remember right, when they were closed. Right, right. And of course, the rest of the week they were a uh, go. They were go go right. place, and I, yeah. I remember doing the show, and there's a pole right. you know, in the middle of the stage. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that was interesting. <laughs> so, what brought you back to Dayton? Oh, right. So, you know. Ultimately, that was uh, my wife and I. That was our plan originally. We, when I first got the job or first signed the contract at Memories, it was a two-year contract, and part of the deal was that we had this condo that they supplied, and so you know we didn't buy anything. We were just supplied that. So we were like, oh, okay. Well, after two years, we'll just go back to Dayton because we had my dad and his wife were up here, and we had other friends, and so we had friends and family. And uh, then memories kept renewing, which was a good thing. And so 22 years total, I was down there. 22 years later, uh, I was starting to wind down as far as the performing, and my kids had moved back this way. And so we just kind of, you know, figured, well, uh, I think I decided before we moved that I was going to start traveling again, and I thought, well, I could do that from anywhere. Right. Right. So, but, you know, of course, I'm originally from New York City. I, um, you know, I wound up here uh, years ago. I had some friends who invited me to come visit, and I liked it and and uh, wound up moving out here. So, Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, in addition to Elvis, when you're, when you're touring now, you don't just do Elvis. You've do, I've seen you do Johnny Cash. I've seen you do Neil right. Diamond. What are some of the other ones that you do? Oh, so Nat King Cole, um, Neil Diamond, Johnny Cash, uh, Dean Martin is kind of, next to Elvis, Dean Martin is, I think, my favorite, you know, uh, performer. Uh, I do some Conway Twitty, I do Tom Jones, very tongue-in-cheek on the Tom Jones, because <laughs> that's a hard one to do, but right. but I know the reason I, see, I opened a little, I don't know if you knew this, but I opened a little... Um, kind of a storefront studio or cafe. Yes, uh, I did. I was going to ask you about that. I just hadn't got to it, so you, right. you beat me to the punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my dilemma was, and I had done other characters kind of for fun over the years, but my dilemma was, you know, on Memories, we always had the, the band would do the first half of the show, and mm-hmm. of course then we did Cotton Legends and that changed. But, so my dilemma was, okay, well, what am I going to do the first half of the show? And so... You know, I wound up doing those other characters who are also favorites. Not as big a favorite as Elvis, but, uh, of course, I'm I'm a big Elvis fan. And then, of course, Elvis in the second half, like we've always done. Right. Right. Well, I can tell you, you do a killer Johnny Cash. You were one of my oh, favorite Johnny Cash. Oh, that was the other one, Johnny Cash. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, love Johnny Cash when you do it. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had, somebody wanted me to ask this, have you ever had a problem when you're doing Suspicious Minds with the crotch ripping out of your, your jumpsuit? Oh. Well, you know what? Early on, I did. Did you really? Um, yeah, yeah. So that, you know, there was two times, I think, and uh, which I brought all my suits to a seamstress and had them double or reinforce the, you know, the crotch area in the suits because of that. You know, you do those lunges, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it never was a problem after that. But initially, which 
which actually at the time that happened, Charlie told me, oh, well, that happened to Elvis a couple of times. <laughs> and uh, one time, I guess Elvis stayed or kind of went to the curtain that was on the side, and Charlie held up the curtain, and he actually changed his suit while he was still talking to the audience. Oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie was holding the curtain up. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, interesting. So, are you able to, well, let me ask you this other question. Um, mm. You've been doing this for over 20 years now. Do you still get stage fright? Yes, I do. Do you? Yeah, I do, and I'll tell you why. I Now, again, if you remember, one of the things I used to ask every night at Memories, how many people are here for the first time, and then how many, and then by show of applause, mm-hmm. and then how many people have seen our show before, and it seemed like it was always at least 50-50 new people. So while the people had seen the show, you know, they might be expecting and know that we have a certain... You know, they might feel, oh, this is a good show, whatever, and they might be already sold. I always felt like, well, the other half has no idea. And so I was always nervous about doing a good job uh, for the new people. And I, you know, usually by the third song, if I felt like people were having a good time, I'd be able to relax. And then, you know, it'd be kind of a smoother, uh, or I'd be more at ease or whatever. But... There were a few times where I felt like people weren't having a good time, and, and that may not have necessarily been true, but it was my perception. Right. And, I, you know, maybe I wasn't getting the feedback that I thought, you know, at the time. But uh, so, yeah, there were a few times where I, like, I thought, well, man, people aren't having, they're not having fun or they're not enjoying it. And, and I would be nervous, you know, the whole show. <laughs> right, right. I would be too. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, do you still have, I know for years you had recordings of, of your music. Is there a place where you can still get that? You mean uh, the background tra- tracks? Well, no, like uh, you did, like, you had oh. recordings from Memories, like from, uh, right. you know what I'm talking about, where you could actually buy the CDs and, and had you, I think I've got one, or I've got a couple, but the one I'm thinking of is, the one with uh, J.D. Sumner and the Stamps, and uh, right. you guys had recorded. Is there a place where we could still pick those up? Well, right now, the way I have it set up is um, if people want to order, and I guess I should set up something online to list the available uh, CDs, you know, the, the name of them all, but mm-hmm. right now I, have a, I work off a P.O. box, and uh, people will write me and say, you know, here, can I, would you send me this such and such a CD? Gotcha. So that's, okay. So are you still, I, I know you said that you're still touring some, just not as much. Is there a place right. where people can go and find out where you're going to be? Um, well, my website is louvudo.com. Okay. Um, and I, I try to, if there's not information on there, they can send me a message. But also I have a Facebook page, which, you know, Nowadays, it seems like I put more information on the Facebook page whenever I'm appearing somewhere, so that's kind of a good, good that's, deal. That's good to know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about um, before I let you go here is, um, as I've talked to you um, 
prior to starting the recording and stuff, I I know you're a man of faith, and and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and just see how much of a role that faith's played throughout the years, you know, between being an entertainer and, and a husband and a father, and and how how has faith played a role in your life? Well, the way I've looked at it, I think, over the years is I'm, you know, I'm a Christian or a child of God first, and then the other things I do, um, you know, are secondary. I mean, I, you know, being a husband, being a father, being a performer, uh, or whatever I have done over the years for work, I, um, I always felt like, you know, the priority was that I was a child of God and, and I endeavored to walk, you know, and be pleasing to God. And, and so the other things were just secondary to me and not that they weren't important, but, um, I, I always felt, you know, the scriptures seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added added unto you. So I think that's always the way I've looked at it and tried to, um, my way of thinking, so to speak. All right, any advice for uh, any artist or up-and-coming uh, people that uh, may be looking for advice? Do you have anything that you want to add? Man, the biggest thing I could um, recommend is if if you want to be an entertainer, you have to love the job, whether you ever make it, you know, quote-unquote, make it big or not. You have to enjoy doing it because if you, you know, never get a big opportunity, you would still, you know, very rarely nowadays do people do what they love to do for work. So if you could do something like entertaining and make a living um, and you don't necessarily have to make it big or get the big job if you could just do it and make a living I think you should feel so blessed and and thankful that uh, you're getting to do what you enjoy so you know just learn to enjoy it no matter how big or small the gig good advice good advice All right, Lou I'll let you get going thank you so much for your time I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. And let me know. You know, I'd love to listen to it. Um, I think I've seen, you know, if you could send me a link or something, I, I think I've seen it before, but I'm not sure if I have it still. Okay, yeah, I will send it to Thanks. you, and uh, I will tag you in this once once I get it up uh, and going, okay? Thank you. All right, I appreciate it, Lou. Thank you so much, All sir. Right. Have a good one. You thank too. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.